Hi, I'm Juan Galloway. And I'm Tracy Galloway. Welcome to our podcast, 36 Questions. This is an unscripted show where we candidly and spontaneously answer 36 questions that lead to love. These 36 questions were invented by psychologist Arthur Aaron, who created this exercise to help people be vulnerable in order to foster closeness and intimacy. We have been married since 1992 and have four awesome grown children together. We have both been in Christian leadership for over 30 years. We have been youth pastors, church planters, lead pastors, ministry school directors, nonprofit leaders, and are now missionaries. Yes, we are missionaries with youth with a mission. YWAM, the largest missions organization in the world, and are following our call to know God and make him known to the nations. You know, our hope is that as we dig deep into each other's lives, that you will be inspired to do the same. Let's dive in. Greetings from Kiwiland. Yes, which is New Zealand. Whoop, whoop. Home of hobbits and... Kiwis? And... Um, hmm... I don't know, nature? Yeah, lots of nature. The best nature on earth? <laughs> uh, tramping, which is not what you think. Tramping is uh, in uh, English, well, I guess it's English here, but in America, tramping would be like a loose woman or something. But here, tramping means hiking. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's gorgeous. And uh, we just got here from Samoa. And we're doing ministry in the North Island and the South Island of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And we're at this really cool healing center. Help me pronounce it right. Titoke. Titoke Healing Center, which is a Christian retreat center here. Beautiful. Yes. Um, really nice on the North Island on the Bay of Plenty. And people come here who either have illness and they're praying for healing or they come here with emotional um, pain and hurt. Um, and sickness in their emotions and mm-hmm. their heart and there there's there's Christian counseling here mm-hmm. and it's great so we were here we uh, were taking a little rest after ministering in Samoa for a while and now we're um, we minister to the staff was it yesterday um, a couple days ago yeah and then we're doing a chapel coming up here it's like and, a community little yeah community gathering. chapel gathering and then we're headed out to youth with a mission to another location which we'll record and share about in the future. I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, so this is a cool place, beautiful country, and the people are amazing. Yeah, I have to say, Juan, the people here, and we travel a lot Yes. around the world, many places, cities, country, you know, uh, different continents, Asia, Africa, Europe, Pacific Islands, and I have to say, so far, out of all the places I've been in the world, the people of New Zealand are the most friendly, kind, and sweet than anywhere else. And it's funny because here they're even saying, oh, here on the North Island, we're rude compared to the South Island. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've never met people so nice. I can't even imagine what the South Island would be like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. And for those of you who are not familiar with New Zealand, because um, not everybody took geography in high school, we're basically South east of Australia, um, close to Antarctica. So it's pretty far away. It's kind of across the same line as Chile in South America. 
Um, if we were to fly that direction, um, or if we were to fly the other direction, we'd hit probably Malaysia, um, Papua New Guinea's north of us, north northwest. That's kind of where we are. Way out here in the ocean. Right. It's pretty far out. You know, it's kind of interesting. So I don't know. People have probably seen this documentary on Netflix about White Island, and White Island is a little island off the coast of the North Island of New Zealand, where people tourists used to go and hike around. And there was volcanic activity, gases. And, yeah, they'd wear actually a gas mask to protect them because of the gases were so dangerous on the island. So there was a volcanic eruption while a lot of people were on the island and some got killed, oh. some got burned. And it was a crazy documentary, which is, uh, you probably enjoy watching it. It's pretty amazing. So we only saw that a couple months ago. And here we are. We went to the shore to look at the ocean to check out, you know, the area, and there it is, right in front of us, White Island. With the with the smoke puffing out of the volcano. Yeah, it's still pouring out. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's right there. Oh, they my gosh. They're not allowing uh, walking tours there anymore, though. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. But it was just interesting, yeah, to watch a documentary. It's kind of like you're, you're, it's like you live somewhere and you watch, watch a documentary about some specific, very small location you know, on the other side of the world, and then you find yourself two months later right there in the middle of it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, look, here it is. It's real. So, yeah, that was interesting. So, um, let's see. We are on question 29. Before we jump into this week's question, we had something special we just had to tell you about. Yeah, we totally want to give you something for free, which is two nights for free at, like, an Airbnb kind of situation. Wait, is it Airbnb? No, it's not. It's actually called Home Exchange. Oh, that's cool. Home Exchange, you would think, is exchanging your home with someone else's right. home. Like to swapping? Stay, yeah, to stay for free somewhere. Okay, I've heard of that. But if you sign up at homeexchange.com, yeah. they actually give you points okay. that you can use to stay somewhere for free without having anyone stay at your place ever. Wow, that's that sounds cool. And actually, it's even, I know it's cool because we've done it. We've done it all over the world. We stayed at some nice places in cool areas. Yes, totally. San Francisco, Europe, everywhere, Italy. It's amazing. And it only takes about 10 minutes to sign up your house and your place. And when you do that, they give you over a thousand points. And you can use those points to stay anywhere in the world. Usually a place might only be 100 points a night. Oh, that, that sounds, wow, that sounds like you save a lot of money. What's the catch? I'm sure there is one. Okay, so the catch is that if you decide to actually use it right. and you actually book a place and someone agrees to let you stay at their place yes. for points, okay. then you pay a one-time fee of $175. Wait. That's all when you could get maybe 10 nights? Yeah, you could stay a week or two weeks at a location anywhere in the world. You're really staying there for free. You're just paying 175 one-time payment for that year that you're going to be using it. It sounds too good to be true, but actually we've done it and it really is true. Yeah, it is. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you my secret code right now. And if you use this code, you will get 250 points in addition, which will give you two nights extra wherever you're staying. That's a good I deal. Mean, and what do we get out of it? And by the way, these places you're staying, it could be like a four bedroom house. No yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. Like it could be a huge place. 
And this sounds like an advertisement, so I'm, I'm curious, Juan and Tracy, Mambo, what do you guys get out of this? Okay, the reason why I'm gonna give you our code is for the first 10 people who use this, we get 250 points too. And so that way we can continue to travel in missions, stay around the world, and have some free nights in some places. So they can support us as missionaries, partner with us, uh, and, and actually get a really cool benefit for themselves. Too. Yeah, if you're interested. We don't get any of the money, uh, but we might get a few free places to stay, which would be awesome. Okay, give us the code. Okay, it's Mambo, M-O-M-B-O dash five C, as I know you can't believe this, and eight one E as this is for everybody. Let me say that again. M-O-M-B-O dash five C eight one E. Oh, guys, check it out uh, and thank us later. Homeexchange.com. So let's get to our question. Here's the question, Mambo. Share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. Oh, man, I have so many embarrassing moments. I've honestly blocked out most of mine. I hate them so much, like... I literally can't remember most of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm the kind of person... You do embarrass easily. And like, if I'm watching TV and somebody does something embarrassing, I remember like, I would be like, I wanted to like cover my eyes as a kid. Like it was too much. (laughs) Oh no. I can't handle it. Too embarrassing. Yeah, for me, I've had so many embarrassing moments because I... I talk too much sometimes, and so I put my foot in my mouth, and I say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing my whole life, and so I had to get to this point. I think when I was um, lead pastoring a little church, a little historic church um, in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. where I had to just decide, because it it can really, being embarrassed easily can make you mm, like frozen and afraid to do things because you get you know you're going to make a mistake, so you don't do things. And I had to do so much in front of people on stage, uh, make decisions. So I had to decide, and I made this conscious decision, actually, when I think I was 44, 45 years old, where I said, okay, I am, I'm foolish. I'm just foolish, so I'm just going to be foolish. Just, just accept it. Embrace yes. it. You know, like, okay, I trip. I say the wrong word. Um, I'm silly. Um, I might call a person the wrong name. I mean, I just do things that are full. And, and so instead of being like, oh, I hate myself or oh, no, or oh, ah, and torturing yourself, I just decide, you know what? I'm just silly and foolish. And that's the way I am. And then I, instead of being upset, I would actually laugh and be like, <laughs> silly me. I'm so I'm so silly. And it really helped me a lot with all of those embarrass- embarrassing things that I would encounter you know, regularly with my uh, silliness. Yeah, so I couldn't remember a lot, but the way, the main one I remembered, I was working in Dallas, Texas, uh, living there at the time, and I worked at a place called Street Church. It was a church that was in East Dallas, kind of the bad part of town, um, where there was gangs and drugs and graffiti and all that stuff. And so our church had a gang intervention program, which I've never heard of a church having one of these, but uh, we did, and it was during the daytime, during the week. And so young people, mostly uh, young Mexican teens, um, who had been court-ordered because of 
getting in fights or skipping school or selling drugs or doing drive-bys or some kind of terrible stuff. They would get court appointed to come to our church during the day and we would have mentoring classes and discipleship. So um, the way, I mean, so I I started leading gang members to the Lord out on the streets when I was in Bible school. And so I, I knew that taking him to my church, which I attended, was like a white mega church. It was too fancy. I just knew that it was not the right vibe for these gang members I was leading to the Lord. So I would try to find a church for them. And I found this church called Street Church. It was literally designed for them. And so I led this kid named Skater to the Lord, a kid named Joker, I think. Anyway, but those aren't their... Real no, names. it's our gang names. Oh, okay, gang name. Okay. <laughs> but everybody called them that. And so, anyway, I started taking these kids to this church, uh, and it was started by Cookie and Demi Rodriguez. Uh, Cookie was mentioned in, in the famous book, Cross and the Switchblade. She had been led to the Lord by David Wilkerson in New York City in the Bronx um, when he was doing gang outreach. Way back in the, the 60s. 1960s, Yeah. Yeah. So she, she had started women's rehab programs called New Life for Girls, multiple ones in different states. Wasn't there like a teen challenge she started? No, but it was like teen challenge. New okay. Life for Girls is like the female teen challenge. Oh, okay. Even though there are female teen challenges. Anyway, it was a discipleship program. So, But then she came down to Dallas with her husband. They had kids. They started this church, and they were reaching out to young gang members. So because I was – and I was one of the only white people in the church – uh, and I loved it. They didn't even have a band. They would sing a cappella in Spanish and English. You know, I remember when you were going to this church because we were dating at the time. And yeah, you were one of, there were a couple of white people, but you're one of the few. But it was funny because your name is Juan, yeah. J-U-A-N. That's right. And there was like, I don't know, 10 Juans <laughs> yeah. in this church. And so there were like, there's one, you know, Juan Martinez, Juan Valdez, or I don't know, Juan Pablo, and then you were Juan Galloway. And so every time anybody would say your name, because there's so many Juans, i go, Juan Galloway! Hey, Juan Galloway! <laughs> yeah. And so um, we true. kind of played off that our whole lives. Like if I'm calling to the other side of the house, I'll go, Juan Galloway! Because uh, that's how Cookie would call you out yes. in, the, in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a storefront church. And uh, once they found out I played guitar, I became the worship band. And um, so I really got into it and it was nothing fancy. It was the opposite of fancy, but I just felt the power of God there. I felt the Holy Spirit moving. And so I started going there full time. And then tragically, um, the son of the pastors, Cookie and Demi, his name was D-Boy, Danny Rodriguez. Uh, he was a he was a pretty well known Christian rapper. He was one of the early only Christian rapper days. One of the right? only ones on earth. Yeah, yeah, he was like one of the first. Very talented. Right. And um, I really liked him. He was just a great guy, and he was basically running the day to day operation of the mentoring of the gang kids. So he was tragically murdered. Um, to this day, nobody knows why, but he was shot through his car window. Probably somebody trying to steal his new car. And um, so he died, and I was at the funeral at our church, and I asked his mom, Cookie, like, do you want me to help out? Like, in other words, do you want me to come in and start working? I had already been working there part-time, but did she want me to, you know, kind of come all the time? So 
I took over and um, it was super difficult. And that's when my embarrassing moment comes in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. The question is an embarrassing moment. <laughs> yes. That was all the lead up. That's a lot of backstory. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But you weren't taking over. You were just teaching. No, no. I was teaching running, but I was the only one running this class oh, okay. full of gang member kids. Oh. And I was the only white guy. I was ill-equipped. I was not from yeah. the ghetto. White kid from North Dallas. The barrio. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, and there was a culture, I'll say, a street culture of trying to they would call it score on each other and what that meant was making fun of somebody putting them down and making everybody laugh and it wasn't malicious it could be be, but mostly it was for fun right it's what we did all the time and so we tried to keep it under control but they used to call me names uh i remember they would call me horse because i was so skinny and i had a horse face oh i can't they called you horse and i had long hair like a mane like you do now like bleached. It's growing out. yeah it was bleached like the white and oh yeah because you had your christian punk rock band at the time they also would call me skeletor oh. because i was so skinny you guys you can't imagine oh you were so skinny i was a skeleton like anyway. his ribs would so, stick out but they all had funny names too like rat or yeah. i don't know you know just goofy things they called you rat or something no no oh, somebody okay. else all right just funny names yeah okay. funny names so anyway, um, so I am teaching the class one day and I'm writing on uh, the chalkboard, you know, some sort of lesson. And as I'm writing on the board, this hyper kid, and I mean, this was actually, di- he was like diagnosed hyper. His name was Skater, the one I had led to the Lord. Skater came up and I had sweatpants on that day and he pulled my pants down. And <laughs> there was guys and girls in this class, by the way. Now, when you say he pulled them down, to my to my ankles, d- was your underwear pulled down too? No. Oh, thank God. I know that could be so worse. That would be <laughs> another level. So there I am, you know, for that split second, I'm facing the wall away from everybody. Like, okay, my pants are down around my ankles. Wow, and that's so intense because, like, usually you would never do that to a teacher. I mean, come on. But of course, what were you doing wearing sweatpants teaching class? <laughs> Uh, it was a, uh, I'd say a casual uh, work environment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, that's, that was weird. I usually didn't wear sweatpants, but anyway, um, yeah. So I calmly pulled my pants up, turned around and everybody's laughing. Yeah. Okay. They're erupting in laughter. I bet. I'm trying not to laugh because I have to appear a stern, you know, and skater. Hey, that's inappropriate. So you, you weren't embarrassed then? You must uh, have been embarrassed. I was embarrassed, but it was so kind of funny too. <laughs> I knew it was really inappropriate because there's girls in the room and I'm the oh, teacher. Yes, so bad. So I'm like, this is wrong. Right. But everybody's laughing and it kind of makes you want to laugh a little. Yeah. But I'm like, skater, you don't ever do that again. That was totally blah, blah, blah. You know, trying to yeah. appear tough. Right. But I, I really thought it was kind of funny because I could not get mad at this kid. He was just that kind of kid. I wonder where he is now. I do wonder that myself. Yeah. And because you don't know his real name. I did, but I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. But yeah, and I mean, and that was like an embarrassing moment. But I had several, I would say, scary moments in that job where I almost got assaulted. Yeah. And I remember like praying like, God, please don't let one of these kids hit me because I'm going to hit them back. I don't have the (laughs) self-control. No, you wouldn't. Now, when I say kids, they were as big as me. 
Yeah, but these you are not wouldn't. children. These are you teenagers. I was like nineteen or eighteen. You were young, and so that's true. You're like nineteen years old. So wow, you had a lot of responsibility. I, I for just a didn't, and that's I'm just telling you the place where I was at. If one yeah. of those kids hit me, I would defend myself. Yeah, and then I'd have to quit because it's not appropriate no. for your pastor or your teacher or minister. Yeah, yeah, um, to punch you. <laughs> Oh but I just you would not have done that. I I know you'd want to, but I I know you, and you're so nonviolent. I can't imagine you. Doing well, that. they would make me so mad sometimes. I would want to punch them. Oh, sure, of course. And yeah, I can um, understand that. I remember coming home some days like punching my pillow. I was so frustrated. Really? Yeah, because they were out of control. Yeah. This is like one of those movies where the teacher has the gang kids in their class. Yeah, yeah. And somehow they turn it around. <laughs> You know, did you turn it around? Uh, well, I think I gained the respect, yeah. and they never did assault me because when one would come at me, somebody else would grab them and like hold them back. Exactly, hold yeah. them back before it turned into a brawl. Wow, that happened to me. That is scary. Two or three times. Really? Yeah, it's oh no joke. Gosh. I mean, it almost came to blows, and I was like, "Oh, thank you, Lord, it didn't." You know. Wow. But- you know, I remember praying <laughs> for you because. Here you were taking the job of somebody who was murdered. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I pray it wasn't anybody, you know, but you're in it. You're in a dangerous area. And oh, with tell me about dangerous it. people who were not, not. I mean, they're just God's sons and daughters, but they had potential to be dangerous. <laughs> oh, these kids would show up with cars and, with bullet holes in them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I just remember praying for you for God's protection over you when you were working there at Street Church. Um but, but I don't know. Did you learn a lot there? Like, what did you yeah. learn? What's the main thing you learned there? I'm just curious what you'd say. Well, so one of the things I used to do is drive around and pick all these kids up in the gang program. Yeah. And um, in the barrio. And I was the only white person there. And I was like a target. I mean, everybody would look at me hmm. and look at me with a, a mean face. And they used to call it mad dogging. Anyway, I remember what, we used to go when someone was um, killed, Cookie would go and minister to the family and we would go with her. And right. we would go there and there would be blood on the sidewalk from a drive-by shooting. Mm. And there she is praying for the mom and the dad. And it's like the tension in the air is like intense. Mm. And I remember some kid being tripped out on um, toluene, which is a paint thinner he was sniffing. Yeah. Because that's what they did. And his brain cells were blasted. And anyway, he was coming at me like he didn't know me. I'd never seen him in my life. And he was coming at me to fight me. And some guy grabbed him before it. Tri- so... It was scary, and um, I learned a lot. I mean, I faith, trusting God in a very awkward, uncomfortable cultural environment I was not familiar with. Right. It's not from that background. Mm-hmm. Um, patience, endurance, perseverance. Yeah, you do have a lot of patience, endurance, and perseverance, like more than most people I know. And also, like, learning how to love these kids when sometimes they treated me like garbage because yeah. they were just so... Out of control. They and that's so true life. about you, too. I mean, your whole life, I can tell you, I've seen it. I've seen people treat you like garbage. Um, and I've seen you My respond. Yeah. Like when you had dreadlocks, um, <laughs> a lot of people treat you like garbage. Um, when you, you know, you've done a lot of alternative things um, in the Christian world. That's true. And I, I think they treated you, you're drinking coffee. I think they can hear you. Oh, sorry. Slip, I'm enjoying slip, this. Slapping your lips. Oh, this coffee's so good. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk into your coffee cup. We're recording a podcast here, babe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I've seen people treat you bad over the years. And I think it's because you come across as very humble 
and unassuming. And so people who have a nasty bent to them, they think you're an easy target. But it's like when they poke you with their nastiness, you just ooze out Jesus's love, forgiveness, and kindness. And I've seen it over and over again throughout the years um, when people who have um, problems take it out on you and you just love them back um, so well. And it's interesting because I... I think it does. I think it ties back to that lesson you learned at street church. And I think that's all to say that, you know, sometimes the most difficult situations we go through in life that we're like, why are we here? What are we doing here? I don't belong here. I don't know what I'm doing here. Or it's actually, it's a learning moment that's developing character in you that you'll be able to draw from for the rest of your life. And so, um, so yeah, you know, going back to that embarrassing moment, sometimes the most difficult moments can involve embarrassment, right? And hardship. But we can, um, I always say it can make you better, bitter. You can get bitter or you can get better. And I think you chose to get better and let God do that work in you of character development so that when more things came in your future that were difficult or challenging, like it was just more natural for you to ooze out, you know, the love of God. Because you learned that as a 19-year-old young man, you know? Yeah, it was literally my first ministry job, and so it was really difficult. It was not your first. Before that, you worked on the, the prayer lines, uh, I, for, yeah, yeah, I, and you worked in the youth group, and you're on the worship yeah, band. It's I'm, not your first. Well, I got paid as a job. You got paid before that, too. That's on the, true. Yeah, it wasn't so. your first job, but, but it was er, one of your earlier Being ones. in charge of anybody. So it reminds me, <clears throat> when you're talking about that, Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So it's just like he's saying, if you persevere, this is how exactly what you're saying. This is how God shapes our character and gives us confidence and we grow. Yeah. You got to go through hard stuff one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. It, I've seen uh, pictures, I think on the internet of uh, a seed is growing under the ground in the dark for a while before it pops out and then you can see it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes in the darkness and in the hardship is where we're, we're growing and being developed and it's not till later that we, um, you know, we see the fruit of what happened. I just thought of one more embarrassing moment because, like I said, I blocked out most of them. But this one <laughs> I think is funny. Okay. <clears throat> so when I was in a Christian punk rock band in Bible school, it was called Sanctified Noise. <clears throat> and I got us a gig playing at a uh, Christian club called Eye in the Needle. And it was our first gig ever. It was my first gig of my life. And so I was so nervous. I was terrified. <clears throat> and so we got up on stage <clears throat> and then right before us was um, a singer who was doing Amy Grant cover songs and she had a sequin dress on. Like, so it went from that to us who looked like, you know, Mohawks and things. So first song of my life on a stage. I'm so nervous. I'm terrified. The drummer clicks off one, two, three, four. <clears throat> and I literally froze. I just froze. I had written the song, but I didn't know how to play it. I, I I hit a chord and I couldn't keep playing to the next chord. I didn't know what the song was. And I'm just looking at the whole room and they're looking up at us on the stage. 
and I'm just frozen in time like a deer in the headlights. And and then I kind of pulled myself together and and said, uh, click it off one more time and one, two, three, four. And then I actually did play the song. And then we played three songs, which I think that's all the songs we had. They're probably over within five minutes because your punk rock songs were so fast. They were like two minutes or one to two minutes. And so we played all three songs again, I think. Anyway, we cleared out the place. All the, the young ladies that were, it was, la- oh, by the way, it was Ladies Night. From the oh, Christ- no. The Christian radio station. Ladies Night? So Singles or Night. punk rock? So the Singles oh, Night, oh, not oh. Ladies Night, Singles Night. Oh. But all the singles were ladies and yeah. they were there to see the Amy Grant cover and so they they just fled like like rats off a sinking ship yeah and um (laughs) and i thought that was hilarious i wasn't offended because i like well obviously they're not i was there i was at that concert okay well anyway that was an embarrassing moment i I forgot about it though i mean you're reminding me i forgot yeah yeah yeah, it's funny because when you're on stage or when you're in front of people it's like the worst thing ever but as someone in the audience, I didn't even think anything of it. I'm like, oh, there was a bad note. Oh, they start over. Okay, this is the right. song. Like you don't think anything. Right. Not even not even for more than three seconds do right. you think about it. But the person experiencing it. It's burned it, in my memory. It's burned in your memory for like 40 years. Far away our, our 30 years, but uh, longer. <laughs> it's so funny. But the people there, you know, nobody. I think that's a good thing to remember too when we're embarrassed that you know, what seems huge to you, like at like zero to hundred, it's like 98 to someone else. It's like a, a half of 1%. Like it's just nothing. So we have to remember that too. Well, let's get into our book of the week. Let's do it. So Mambo, tell us what is the book this week? All right. So I'm here at the retreat center and I'm looking for something to read because Sadly, um, well, not sadly, well, kind of sadly, I can't carry my books around. I used to have a whole suitcase full of books I'd carry with me <laughs> to read or reference. Ridiculous. I had two small suitcases, one full of books and one full of clothes. Yeah. That was just so dumb. So we got rid of the last of our things um, before this most recent outreach missions trip. Right. And um, really, so we're down to one small carry on. Um, and a backpack. And that's everything I own in the world right now um, for the year. So anyway, I can't carry a book. So I figure I'll pick up books along the way. So I found this book uh, here at the Christian Retreat Center. They have a whole library full of Christian books. And I noticed a friend of mine, uh, John Brevere. Um, he's the best Your best friend? Well, no, he's not my best friend. You've met him. He, yeah. Well, more than that, he's the best-selling author of The Bait of Satan, which we've referred to in the past. But he worked at the same church we worked at uh, when we were teenagers and we were involved in the youth ministry. We worked there on the prayer lines where people would call in from around the world for prayer. And he worked there as well. And then later he became an evangelist and he was traveling and speaking and he would come back to our church mm-hmm. to do our um, our youth retreats and youth camps as our guest speaker. Mm-hmm. And so at those camps, um, I would have lunch with him, have dinner with him, and I would just pick his brain like crazy. Um, I babysat his kids, his boys when they were little at the at the summer camp. You weren't at all these camps. You were at maybe one. Some of them. No, a couple of them. Yeah. yeah. And so um, so anyway, so I got to know him there. He really had a strong influence in my life and his wife, Lisa, who'd prayed with me, encouraged me, give me advice about where to go to college, mentored me some. So I really appreciate them so much. So I've read most of their books, but this is one that I've been meaning to read and I hadn't read. And it's one of, it's really popular. It's called 
killing kryptonite. Destroy what steals your strength. Dun, dun, dun. So maybe you can explain what kryptonite is and then I'll talk about the book. If you don't know what kryptonite is, what cave have you been hiding in? (laughs) Obviously, that is the one element from the planet Krypton uh, that can sap the strength of Superman. It's the only thing uh, that can really affect him. So kryptonite is something that saps your strength. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, okay... You know, right? We'll see what this is about. So I'm only part way through it. I think I'm in chapter five now, but I'm going to go ahead and review it now. And I want to, I'm just going to read a piece of it Mm -hmm. that really, you know how you read something and you're like, oh my gosh, I've never realized that before. Mm -hmm. So this was um, in chapter four and I just want to read a little bit of it and then I'll explain what it means. And this is something that was really life changing for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So think about your body. And how all parts are essentially connected, even if they're not in close proximity. Your little toe is connected to your nose, your liver is connected to your knees, your mouth is connected to your spinal cord, and the list continues. There is no part that can survive separate from the other parts. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a member of your body. And we know about this teaching a lot. I've heard it a million times about how we're all the body of Christ. We're all connected. Mm -hmm. We all have our own parts. But listen to this. If one part hurts, don't all the members suffer with it? If someone comes down with the flu or a virus, the sickness eventually inhibits his entire body with loss of appetite, declining strength, clouded thoughts, aches and pains in different parts of your body. On the other hand, if one part is honored, all the parts rejoice. Like if a person receives a back or scalp massage, the entire body feels the tension, it relieves the pressure. The whole body loves what's happening. So he took this to a whole nother level in the book about how one person's decision or a couple people's bad decisions affect a massive amount of people. Mm. And you see this so true like in adultery. Like let's say someone commits adultery. It affects not just their their spouse, their kids, their grandkids, uh, the whole church, their whole community. Uh, their jaw, like it just affects, mm-hmm. it, it just ripples out to affect and destroy just massive amounts of people, friendships, relationships you'd never imagine. Just mm-hmm. one example, right? Right. Um, same thing though with positive things. Like they're talking about the massage. You feel it all over your body. You feel relaxed. You feel good. If one person or two people or three people are experiencing, let's say, revival, mm-hmm. um, they're close to the Lord. They're encountering the power of God. They're sharing the Lord. It just ripples out. The stories ripple out. Like, for example, this revival just started in um, Asbury University. Asbury University mm-hmm. uh, this past week here. Um, not here in New Zealand, but... <laughs> in uh, America. In America. But... Basically, um, it was just a chapel service and it just kept going and going and they just kept it going because God was showing up. Um, they were praying and worshiping sincerely and it actually started when one young man got up and repented. Um, and so I thought that was so interesting because I hear very regularly that anytime there's a great move of God, it always starts with repentance and mm. repentance. If you don't, if you're not familiar with that word is, um, it's not just saying, I'm sorry, it's actually turning away from sin and publicly confessing the sin before other people. Um, in fact, there's a verse about that. Maybe you can look it up while I talk about it. Like uh, the healing comes through 
public repentance or something. Try to look that up. So anyway, um, so it started as just, you know, a group of students having chapel. And then it just grew and grew and grew. It's now Lee University. There's other universities around the country that are having chapels and they just keep going and they're doing yeah, prayer meetings that are all day. More. It's triggering off revival. That and, and it's like an example of one good thing happening in one area and then Ooh. people are flying in from all over the world. It's it's influencing the world. And now everyone in the world in Christendom who's heard about it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, they're now saying, let's not go there. Let's just have revival here. And so college campuses all around the world are like, let's do prayer and worship. Let's really pull, you know, press into God. And so, you know, a small group of people are influencing the whole world. Um, with that. So you can either affect things with your choices for negative or for positive yeah. and it can go global negative yeah. or positive, literally. So do you like the book? Oh yeah. So it's a really great book. I love how John Bevere just is like, you know, he, he, he does, he cuts through the crap. <laughs> he's, you know? pretty, he's pretty straightforward. Yeah. He's very straightforward, which I think is why I'm straightforward too. Like he's had a lot of influence in the way I communicate. So if you've seen John or Lisa Revere minister, they're very straight. They cut through the crap on the same way because of that influence for sure. Here's the verse, Acts 3, 19 through 20 or something says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wow. So times of refreshing will come. When you repent. And yeah. that's what's happening. Yeah. You know, they say that in the chapel you go there, you feel the weighty presence of God and mm-hmm. refreshing from the Lord. So, yeah, repentance is key <clears throat> into having refreshing from God. Anyway, I highly recommend this book. They, it, there's an audio book as well if you're not a reader and you like to just listen to it. Again, it's called Killing Kryptonite by John Brevere. Yeah. B-E-V-E-R-E. Yeah, get a hold of it. By the way, side note. When I was 17 years old or 18, John Bevere, John Bevere laid hands on me at summer camp, one of these camps, and he was laying hands on people and they were falling down. And I was like, I'm not falling down. I'm not faking it or something like that. Right. I got, before I knew it, I was on the floor. Yeah. And I had no idea what happened. The Holy Spirit was like on me. My, my whole body was pins and needles, but not bad, like in a good way. Tingly way. Tingly. Like I felt the power of God. Hmm. And I laid there for, I don't know, 45 minutes. You did. I was there. I remember when this happened. It was amazing. Yeah. Lake Levon Summer Camp, Texas. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, check out the book and thanks for considering it. Okay. Mambo, your turn to answer this question. Okay. Um when um, share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. Oh my gosh, there are so many embarrassing moments. Okay, the first one I'm going to share is um, I was lead pastor of this historic Presbyterian church, mm-hmm. and I was looking for Christian counselors that I could refer people to because you know when you're at a church you can only. You could do pastoral care, but sometimes people need a little extra counseling, right? They need more professional care. And so I was talking to a few different Christian counselors, and I talked to this one woman and was not interviewing her, but finding out about her. Is she good to recommend uh, people to? And um, and so that was good. So I talked to her on my cell phone, uh, hung up, whatever. At this time, my oldest daughter, River, 
as at, is at college at Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma, and I'm living in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So it's a time zone of like two hour difference, right? So this same day, River was going to a dance. And I think she had two dresses to wear, like some, her prom dress that she got from her cousin Tiffany and some white dress. That was probably from Tiffany too. And she got all her clothes from cousin Tiffany. Thanks, cousin Tiffany. Anyway, so um, anyway, she, I didn't know which one she was going to wear. She's like, oh, I can't decide the shoes, blah, blah, blah. You know how girls talk. We talk about clothes a lot. So she, she was going out to the dance. I don't know what she decided. And so... Late that night, I just couldn't sleep. I was up, couldn't sleep. I don't know. I was on my phone scrolling probably. And so I thought, oh, it's 1 a.m. here, but I think it's 11 p.m. Oklahoma time. So she's probably getting back from the dance. Um, I was curious what dress she was wearing to the dance. She might still be out. So I just texted River. I said, oh, what are you wearing? Because I wanted to see which dress did she pick. And then um, I didn't hear back from her. I thought, oh, that's weird. She usually responds quickly. And then after 30 minutes, I looked. Oh, my gosh. I had sent a text, not to River, but to the woman that I was talking to that same day, who was a counselor. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night at 1 a.m. And I texted her, what are you wearing? Oh, Oh, my God. It was so bad. I was like, oh, and I didn't, oh. I didn't know what to do. I th- I texted her, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was texting my daughter about a dance. and But th- her response to me was a little bit like she didn't believe me. Like she was like, she was like, oh yeah, sure, okay. Like just, <laughs> just like. That's, that's a creepy feeling. Yeah. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I felt so embarrassed. Good. Oh, I think, I, you know, that makes me think of one time I was trying to hit a thumbs up emoji to a woman. Yeah. You know, through work. I was texting for work. Right. For ministry. And yeah. I hit the button that had blowing a kiss. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I remember even showing you, oh, my God, what have I done? I'm like texting. Sorry, my, my finger slipped. I hit the wrong emoji. And they're like, I figured, you know, I understand. I figured it was something like that. Don't call the the legal <laughs> department. It's horrible. Oh my gosh. Oh, that reminds. Okay, one more since you talked about work. Okay. okay, this is my last one, and I have probably hundreds, thousands, but okay. So with with your old job, wait, there, is this one PG? Uh, yeah, it's PG. It's not R. Lock the kids up. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear this one. No, no, no. It's not, not that, that bad. bad. Not that bad. So. You used to have a gala every year that yeah. was a fundraiser to help the homeless. Right. And they progressively each year got more fancy, yes. larger, bigger deal. I think this one was at the Liberty House, which is this beautiful restaurant right on the Hudson River overlooking all of Manhattan. Beautiful spot. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had on a formal gown, a formal dress. And, okay, ladies... Boys, shut your ears. No, it's okay. Boys can hear. But <laughs> ladies know that when you wear pantyhose, which we, bear, we we hardly ever wear pantyhose anymore. Like, they're just, nobody wears them anymore. But for a formal event, sometimes you do. So mm-hmm. I had these, I think I had a gray dress on with like gray hose, you know, to go with it. Because you don't want to wear a gray dress with bare legs. That's just not cool. Okay. So 
Pantyhose, though, can have a tendency to fall down a little bit as you dance or walk around. So you have to yank, pull them up, pull them up, pull them up. So the trick that women know is you wear underwear on top of your pantyhose and that holds them up. Wait, do you also wear them under your pantyhose? You can. You can do both. But okay. let's not get into too much detail. Oh, all right. Sorry. All right. I don't remember what I was doing. But I can tell you this. Pantyhose are a little bit slippery. So I was sitting at this head table with you and like you know, major donors and people involved in the ministry. And for some reason, I had to get up on stage to introduce somebody, you know, in front of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people at this right. formal event. And so I get up from the table and I notice that my underwear is slipping down my legs, like down my thighs. And as I'm walking to the head, <laughs> to the to stage, it's to, down the podium. To, my, to the podium, it's at my knees. Oh, no. And then I under the dress and I'm like oh my gosh my underwear is falling down and I have to walk on stage and there's no way I can get up these steps because now it's like down between my calves <laughs> so I was like oh my gosh so I just I just kind of let it fall and kicked it off under the table kicked my underwear off under the table under like the president of some huge organization from somewhere I'm kicking my underwear at his feet hopefully oh, he didn't notice God. and then I go up on stage and then I speak or do whatever I'm doing and then I kind of I came back down and I just leaned down and picked up the underwear in my hand and just tucked it under my under my arms so no one could see so yeah my wow. underwear fell off going up on stage in front of at a formal event and uh it was really embarrassing yeah that's so bad wow yeah yeah well these are moments this is that what happened. happens. Yeah. yeah. Life happens. Anyway, but, um, you know, I usually talk about what the questions are used for, but why don't you do it this time as we close out the podcast? Yeah, the questions are used to get closer to someone that you know or want to know and love. Um, that's what the whole 36 questions is about. So the more you share, the deeper it gets, even sharing uncomfortable things like we just shared, embarrassing moments. So... But, you know, the important thing I think about embarrassing moments is that you have to learn to laugh at yourself. It's so true. Like you said, I think that was the first thing you shared is yeah. like you had to just get over it um, rather than trying to hold up a perfect image all the time. It's a waste of energy and time and it's it can be fake as well if we try to act perfect like we don't. There's nothing wrong with this. So, you know, actually, while you say that, mm -hmm. it reminds me of what how I handled that exact situation is I was embarrassed because, yeah. you know, how mortifying. Yeah. But I was laughing um, quite a bit after. And I didn't share with the men at the table, but some of my girlfriends who are sitting at the table, I let them know and they laugh so hard. And we just, it, it, it made it more fun. Like it made the event fun that the president's wife's underwear fell off on the way there to the stage anyway um it just made it more funny um so yeah if you if you can learn to laugh at yourself and even share it with close friends mm -hmm. it just makes you more um authentic yeah and and real and uh, and actually kind of brings some entertainment to everybody's life so yeah I, I encourage you to ask everyone around the dinner table tonight or next time you're sitting around with some friends to share most embarrassing moments and it really helps break the ice and helps you get to know people much better, much more quickly, I think. Yeah, so maybe maybe do that. Have a little laugh with uh, your family or friends. Yeah. And uh, get real. Yeah. Life's too short to hold up a, you know, false image. Let's just be ourselves. That's be free. Right. Unless you're at work, then you shouldn't do it. Share anything too dirty. 
right? Well, I don't like I that. think that's a mistake people make. And usually embarrassing moments <laughs> TMI, can be a little... Yeah. Oversharing. You have to be careful who your audience is, of right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Right, right. There's a time and place for everything. Yes. The Bible says that too. There's a time and place for everything under the sun, including embarrassing moments. So thanks for listening. Yes, and our first uh, ever podcast from New Zealand. Hope you enjoyed it. Yes. And let's uh, let's uh, just hang on till the next episode. I know you're dying to hear it. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you guys listening. We're what question was this? Was this number twenty? Twenty nine. <gasps> so next one is question thirty. Woo! I can't it. believe it. We're going to finish, you guys. We're going to get through this podcast. Oh, yay. All right. We'll see you at question 30. Bye. Adios. Bye.